Hello. And welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I, Dina. This is the inaugural episode of our mini series on the works of Adina Menzel, another underrated actress. And we are beginning with The Wild Party. Uh, Those who listened last week might remember that The Wild Party is a narrative poem released in the 1920s. And in 1999, two different musical theater composers decided to write their own adaptations of it. And they both premiered on Broadway and off-Broadway at roughly the same time. One of them starred Toni Collette. The other starred Idina Menzel. So today we are talking about Andrew Lippa's Wild Party. But before that, I want to welcome our very special guest, Mr. Simon Johnston. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so are, are you guys? You... Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm already <laughs> fucking up like right away. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> We love We're doing fine. Thanks for asking. Yes, uh, I'm doing all right as well. Uh, you didn't ask. I'm already. I'm already messing up. I'm already just completely destroying everything. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me to talk about this. Jake, I think that you should mess something up so that it's three for three. Mm-hmm. Ah! Good. Jake just stabbed himself in the stomach. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm bleeding out, and I hopefully yeah. will be dead by the end of the episode. I'm texting your boyfriend. Hopefully, he can help. He's at work. All right. So, uh, Simon, are you a musical theater guy at all? No, uh, which (laughs) this is this this was interesting for me because, yeah, I'm not really I've seen a bunch of musicals before. Like I seen um, I think it was nice work, maybe. Yeah, I've seen uh, if you can get it. Yes. Yeah. No, it was just nice. It was just called Nice Work. And I saw it was at this guy's house. Uh, He did it in the basement. (laughs) No, uh, that and I've seen Hamilton and I saw. I got to say, I think one more maybe, but I, I, that's it. But I'm not a big fan of it now. Yeah, um, that's cool. I, sorry. I'm I'm trying to, I'm not the biggest fan of musical theater anymore either. I used to yeah, be you very are. into it. I used to be very into it, but now I'm kind of not. I think you're part- a fan of like the concept and the ones you are a fan of, you will always be a fan of, but you just don't have much room for new ones is that what you're saying yeah i have no desire to ever see a new musical again mm-hmm. no matter what it's about so this musical uh <laughs> so wait simon so are you familiar with adina menzel as an yeah, entity I am. she's in frozen i mean an entity yeah she she's in frozen she was in uncut gems um so i know her from those two things i know she was in wicked yeah another musical i know she was wasn't she like the main character in wicked the witch the wicked witch yes. she was is that who that is but uh mm-hmm. yeah my, my thing about musicals is like i don't i would rather just like watch um a story unfold without the, the singing like i'm oh. more interested i don't have a problem with like i think that it's like wicked's like an interesting story and i'd rather just like watch that than like have the big flourish of like the song and dance you know so is this your first like cast album you've listened to all the way um, through uh yeah like purposely yes uh mm-hmm. i've my, my girlfriend listens to rent and hamilton sometimes and uh what's the hades town well adina yeah. was in rent too the original cast yes I, I know that from the film uh she was in the movie right as well she was in both in the movie they were all like 40 and they were supposed to be in their 20s but they like had the original cast be in the movie and it was like awkward yeah <laughs> that's funny uh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I like have listened to musical stuff before and I, I've seen like the movies. I've seen I think I've seen Rent. We're gonna watch uh In the Heights this summer. So yeah. I'm like oh, yeah. yeah. We talked about that on your podcast. Yes, that's the spoiler alert. <laughs> I don't know if this is coming out, so it's probably not a spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if we wanna go through the album slash storyline from the beginning, uh this yeah opens with Queenie was a blonde basically telling the story of Queenie and Burrs who are the couple at the center of this show Queenie is like a slutty vaudeville dancer who hasn't been able to find any guys who are as slutty as she is until she meets a clown named Burrs who's played by Brian Darcy James in this who you may know from Shrek the musical in which he played Shrek and smash the show in which he played uh, Deborah Messing's jilted husband. Yes. What was Smash about again? What is that? Broadway. It was that about was like some... Glee, right? It was like kind of like Glee a little bit. 
it in was a, a little glee-ish. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was in the for... same time. It was the same cultural moment. Epoch. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I remember that. Yeah. It was like Glee for people who were too savvy to be watching Glee. People exactly. who were like Glee, that's juvenile. I'm watching Smash. Yeah, I think I, I think I remember it being like sort of the adult version of Glee. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, less sexual, I would say. Definitely less sexual. Almost Glee asexual. Is very sexual. Glee is so, so Glee, sexual. Glee is the horniest show in the world, and Smash has never fucked even once. I can't uh, wait to tackle Glee, honestly, because Adina is famously on that as well. Who's yeah. the guy? Who's the teacher from Glee? I'm sorry, this is like off topic, but I, I only bring this up because he is in the Grinch musical and is like yes. insane, right? Like that guy. Who, you just gave me name? full body chills yeah. thinking about that. <laughs> um, Matthew Morrison. Yeah, and he's like so, I've never watched, I've only seen like little clips of Glee and like probably like the ones that are like culturally irrelevant, but like it's like the most cringy shit ever. And I'm pretty sure he's like the main engine behind all that, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. You're, you are not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't, I would, I don't want to talk about him. Today. No, I, I do. <laughs> I want to talk about him. I, in the first episode of Glee, he blackmails a student athlete into joining the Glee club by like planting weed in his locker and making it searched during a random drug search. And then he just gaslights this teenager. He's like, I know you've been smoking weed because I found it in your locker. I can make all of this go away if you join the Glee club. He was just so good at singing that they needed to get him yeah. on there. Interesting. Wow. He did die in real life from is that drugs. Corey Monte? Was that Corey Monte? So yeah. I guess weed is in fact a gateway drug because <laughs> he did end up killing him in the end. Uh, there's a lot of shit surrounding that show, right? There are a lot of like, oh, people. Yeah. Puck, Puck well, got himself in yeah. a little trouble, didn't he? He did, and then he killed himself. <laughs> oh, you know, and then we have uh, unfortunately last year Naya Rivera drowned mysteriously in a lake. Jesus, dude. Yeah, well, it wasn't mysterious. It was though. They no, couldn't it- find her for three days. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Wait, but... is Glee, Glee's not Ryan Murphy, is it? It is. It okay, is. he should do American Horror Story, but about Glee. That would be interesting. <gasps> you know what? So... I actually, that would be that would be so meta. I think the anti whatever whoever his like Ryan Murphy's eventual younger foil is one day needs to make that kind of show. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. My favorite. That'd be me. My favorite Ryan Murphy interview was when somebody asked him about the onset feud between two of the female actresses, uh, Naya Rivera and Leah Michelle. And, and racist Leah Michelle. Yeah. And he was like, well, you wouldn't ask me this question about two of the guys on the show who have problems, even though he literally wrote the Leah Michelle Naya Rivera feud into Glee and none of the <laughs> others. <laughs> And also, like, yes, they probably would, actually. Like, 100%. I'm, yeah, like, sorry, like, that, sorry that, like, that's, like, the realm you're sort of in when you're dealing with, like, these young, like, stars and starlets. I don't know. If, if Matthew he, Morrison and John Stamos had shit, oh, we would God. never hear the end of it. Yeah. And I would set up a Google alert, personally. <laughs> I, I think, well, he also did that show Feud about, I forget who it was about, but it was yeah. Jessica Lang and Susan Strandon, right? And I'm thinking, I want to see a Feud show about the two wild parties that Mm, were written the same year because i know there's got to be a story there you should write that jake that'd be interesting Mm -hmm. it'll be a musical called the wildest party (laughs) or wild party two wet and wild (laughs) too wet too wild too too wild to party (laughs) so we have two alphabets in this show adina menzel playing Kate and Julia Murney, who's playing Queenie, the main role. Now uh, from context clues, I'm assuming Alphaba is in fact the wicked witch. Is that yes. correct? Okay. Yes. Thank you. All right. I was like, Alpha, you, two Alphabas, what does that mean? <laughs> are you going to tell him about the Julia Murney Alphaba video we saw in college? So in college, when Jake and I, I went- I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> when Jake and I went to theater school, there was this- uh, Where was this for, for me? Where was oh, this theater school? Marymount Manhattan College on the Upper East Side. Okay. It was just sandwiched in between two apartment buildings that were entirely occupied by like 80-year-old women. So if you go <laughs> in the- They were on the hunt for roommates too, weren't they? Some of those old women. This woman once approached me outside of Marymount asking me to live with her. It was, was you. Like 19. Yeah. I forgot it was you. That's a hard was, 
And she was like, she didn't directly ask, but she was like, do you need a roommate? <laughs> and I was like, no, I live in a dorm. And she was like, what about next year? And I was like, I'm probably going to still live in a dorm. And she was You're like, you're going to be well. dead next year. She was like, well, I know that someone your age would probably want to live with one of their friends. But if somebody took a chance, it could be really great. And then she broke out in song. You should have mm-hmm. done it because I bet you her apartment was rent controlled. I bet you you could have. I probably could have inherited yeah. it from her yeah. after she died. Here's my thing, though, Sam. Do you think she are you sure she wasn't trying to get you to be like her sugar baby? Mm. I think that that also might have been it. But we have to remember that at this point in my life, I was not hot yet. So it's was, like this was during the beanie uh, smoky eye era for you or when you say smoky eye era, I think that's important for our listeners to know that this just means I was applying eyeliner incorrectly and it was running <laughs> down my face by like I want to say raccoon eye. I just I didn't you know, it was it was dark. There were some dark eyes. going. On. It, w- it was it a was a dark goth. moment for me, for sure. So we have Julia Murney, who famously um there was this YouTube compilation video that Jake and I used to watch in college of all the different alphabuzz throughout time doing this riff that comes at the end of Defying Gravity, where she's like, after and it was just it was just that for 12 minutes, just different actresses doing that. And, the and you Julia- pick your best, you pick your fave. And the Julia Murney one legitimately sounds like a foghorn. <laughs> It's, it's so funny. It's like, <laughs> I'm looking at them all now. Yeah, I'm not yeah. watching the video, but I am looking at them all now. You can watch the whole, we can pause for 12 minutes if you want to watch yeah. the whole Yeah, video. right, I just like sit here. We, um, we should honestly post that on our Instagram. We should. So, yeah, so we're introduced to Queenie and Burr's. Um, well, and uh, note, continuity note, uh, Queenie is the role that Tony Collette played in the other version of the world party yes Adina Menzel plays Kate in this mm-hmm. one I wish they played the same role but sadly the world doesn't work out I exactly think that, the way you want it to I do think that Adina was meant to play Kate though this version of Kate for sure yeah yeah so basically the first few songs are kind of just exposition um it's sort of is it vaudevillian that it's just the ensemble being kind of like a Greek chorus, being like, this is Queenie, she's a slut. And this is Burrs, he's a clown. And Queenie was a slut. Actually, I don't know um, what vaudeville is. Neither do I. I mean, I do, but I like, I forgot. Uh, As someone who went to, and I can bring up my uh, college background now, we were uh, sort of educated about the history of vaudeville just a little bit. And I could, I will say that it, it it might be, I don't know if it's necessarily like Greek chorus, like it's an exact one-to-one, but Sam, I think you might be right that there is a little bit of like, th- there's definitely like a flavor of it in this uh, sort of musical here, especially I'm looking at the images now of this thing. And it's like very like, which is, I, I made a note for one song later that that I got to like talk about, but th- it's very campy. And, and I think that it's like definitely borrowing a lot from that sort of like history for sure. So you majored in vaudeville, correct? Yes, I I was part of like a comedy duo, a Laurel and Hardy-esque. Uh, mm-hmm. I was at one point 350 pounds. I had a friend who was much smaller than me and we would go around to the Dust Bowl like, cities and we would, would get on your shoulders and you'd wear like yeah. one trench coat. Yeah, right? and we'd be like, riding riding a unicycle around these Dust Bowl cities and people would throw quarters at us and then we would go buy soup. And that was my <laughs> sort of education. And you and you did blackface as well. Uh yeah, yes. That's that part of vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh well in the other wild party, the character of Burr's who was Mandy Patinkin in that version, uh he did blackface multiple times throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Um and um, this version, I don't think he does that. So he that's good. He does not, yeah. So uh, basically they're together, it's all good, except Queenie is a little bit troubled by the fact that Burrs keeps like threatening to kill her and hitting her and being physically sure. violent towards her. But she thinks maybe if we throw a party, everything will be better. So they throw a party, they invite <laughs> yeah. all these people, uh, this whole parade of people comes in and they're introducing them as they come in. Um, Which this is the um, 
Spurs is like this raise is the roof song, right? Or no, what, what a party, what, what a, a party. party, yeah. And the, it's just like Madeline True, and Madeline True goes lesbian. And it's like Nadine, a minor. Ooh. And everybody's obsessed with the fact that Nadine's a minor. Well, okay, not to keep harping on the last version, but I think it, it bears comparison here at this part because um, in the other version, which the party was uh, Burr's idea in the other model party. I don't know if that matters, but in I this thought party, it was. Wait. No, because he's the one who's oh. like, when's the last time we had a wild party? First of all, I'm going to say real quick, I remember the songs better from that one. I don't know if that means anything. But anyway, um, all these characters have more of like substantial roles in the other one. But in this one, um, when you read about it, it says that they kind of chose to focus more on the like central love quadrangle um, mm. moment, which yeah. does make some more sense narratively. But there are lover brothers here. Um, they are referred to as such on the Wikipedia. And what does that mean? Does that mean that they're brothers who they fuck each other? Is that what it means? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's a it's whole more explicit. thing. It's a whole thing in that. In one. the other yeah. one. They're like fucking during songs or. And is like that in the poem? About how they're fucking. It must be in the poem because it be. it's in both musicals. Yeah. Or do these two disturbing. people who. Yeah. These two people just came up with that idea separately. This is <laughs> where we're right around the part, the note I made, the one note I made, which was raise the roof is like. And this might just be my like lack of musical theater knowledge. And like, I don't have like a good like sort of uh, codex to go off of. But this was like the most musical theater song that I think I've oh, yeah. ever heard. And it was like so like. I, I use the word uh I don't use this word lightly it was very extra the guitar <laughs> the guitar like the like the Latin guitar that was playing like it was very like wild this I was, was like this was the brown face <laughs> song for Julia Murney she's mm. like rolling her R's and she's like yeah Latin. yeah she did do that at one point I was like this is insane <laughs> I've never um, missed Naya Rivera more than in this moment stop oh oh my god She's wow, Peruvian. She is uh, Hispanic in some way. I forget and how. She she died. Um, and she should have played Queenie, in my opinion. She should have. Well, you know, Queenie was supposed to be played by Vanessa Williams in the other one. Yeah. And then they recast her with Tony Collette because they're the same. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I like this song. Actually, I don't know if I like this song. I like, but I like whenever you meet a lot of people in a show. Yeah. I think that's very important. You know, in the Heights. Hello, at the beginning, that's what they do. They run around, they meet everybody. Um, I don't know, have you, si uh, Simon, have you ever had a, a party? I have had a party before, yes. I've been to a party, I have had a party. Uh, so <laughs> there, there isn't a point though at a party, at least the ones, I, the ones I've been to where everybody introduces themselves as they walk in. And well, I don't, we also true. don't we don't also don't boil ourselves down to archetypes. So when people walk <laughs> in, they're not like, "I am the guy who fucks my brother. I am the lesbian woman. I am." I forget, <laughs> what are the other ones? Well, what know. would your guys' descriptions be? Oh, hmm. my! Oh gosh, that's hard. But like thinking back to college, when I would have gone to a party like this, I'd probably walk in and be like, "Lesbian." I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> I'd probably be like, be like guy who leaves. I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I know that knows, I would. Oh, go. No, I was saying person who knows no one, but will stay till the end. <laughs> go Samantha, banned from CVS. And then everybody would be there like, mm. Jake, what did she do in CVS? Pastor's kid. <laughs> <laughs> what did she do at CVS? She tried to <laughs> sleep with the whole staff. Yeah. Banned for banned from CVS for fucking too many people. <laughs> it kind of was a relatable party and not to... Uh, I'm always talking about how relatable this part, this titular party is with this story, but it reminded me of liberal arts college because it's like so many diverse people are there and the main drama is revolving around like two um, boring straight couples. <laughs> and that's just like, it reminds me of a lot of parties uh, I attended. Long yeah. Did it feel like a, a theater kid sort of party? Like if, oh, just yeah. listening to this song, I, like I, I will obviously, cause it's a musical theater song, but also I, I, separate from that i felt like it was very like this this just like was very musical theater to me this was like almost like the definition of musical theater it was like very much like out of control <laughs> at a lot of points yeah 
Yeah, hundred percent. My favorite was when plot details would be described on Wikipedia, and then there would be no hint of any of that in the lyrics of the songs. Mm. Like, I just love it yes. when a lyricist refuses to write any plot details into the songs, and is like, if you're listening to this album, you're just gonna have to fucking figure it out. I kind of miss that, to be honest, because I used to listen to albums and not like read the synopsis, and you know, I would just kind of make up stuff in my head as a kid, and then. You know, if I ever saw the show, I'd be like, what the fuck was this? Like, yeah. you know, especially like older musicals, which this seems to kind of be riffing on because it's like set in the 20s. So a lot of older like Broadway musicals, like the songs really did kind of take you out of the plot for a minute to have a random dance number. There are a few dance numbers in this too, like the Juggernaut was one. I don't know what that is, but, um, you know, you could you could tell that they were dancing a lot in this. Yeah, it was definitely songs that were meant to be danced to. Um, also, like, so, they spend a lot of the plot in the bathroom. It's literally... I'm like, wondering how big this bathroom is. Okay, so I'm just going to call Burr's Shrek here because he played Shrek in the musical <laughs> and I don't want to think about what his name is. So Shrek <laughs> keeps on like threatening to kill Queenie and then she will just pull the guy who she ends up sleeping with into a bathroom and talking to him every time it happens like they never leave the party which I love and he's Tay Diggs yes he's played by Tay Diggs so at this point uh not to like skip ahead too much at this point after uh after Queenie becomes Spanish for four minutes Adina Menzel (laughs) and Tay Diggs enter and they're like together. Adina comes in. She delivers a song full of non Prohibition. And Wait, she's just word. going insane. Was she the one who grew up in West Virginia? Yes. Was that her? Okay, yeah. And if you give her a bottle of bourbon, she'll like be cool or whatever. I, what was the line? It was like, give me a bottle, bottle of, bourbon. of bourbon and half a chicken and I'll conquer the world. Yeah, that was like so <laughs> bad. At one point, at one point randomly, she just goes, and the South will rise again, which God knows what that <laughs> means, considering they're in like New York. Yeah. Adina was at the Capitol riot. Exactly. <laughs> um, you think of... When she says the South will rise again, it just reminded me of my friend Amanda's high school show choir, during which at one point, randomly backstage, they were dressing up for the next number. And this little nerdy kid named Wade, who never spoke, just out of nowhere, went, the South will rise again, and then just continued getting dressed. And they were in Indiana, so they didn't know what why he was saying that either. Very strange. Yeah. So... Immediately after Idina Menzel and Tay Diggs enter, uh, their names are Kate and Black. Um, and I just checked, they're not married yet in real life. Oh, this is before. So Idina and Tay Diggs, the guy who plays Black, who Queenie ends up falling in love with, ended up getting married in real life. They met during Rent and then I oh, guess wow. were dating during Wild Party, got married and then got divorced in like yes. 2016 or something. Who's she married, they were married to now? She's married um, to like a. Another guy from Rent. Another guy from Rent. <laughs> was she like dating someone else at some point too? I thought like she like was dating like a very famous person for. She for was dating me for a second, but mm-hmm. that's probably what I'm thinking quits. of. Jake. She was also dating me at the same time, but then Jake and I found out, and we decided not to let it ruin our friendship, so we exactly. both dumped her. I might. I, I, I. There is definitely a chance that I am letting her role in Uncut Gems sort of bleed into just like real life. And I thought she dated Adam Sandler. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they fooled around. Yeah, hey. I don't know. Adam Sandler, I feel like, is actually a big family man. He loves Are you his mad wife. at me? Oh, I didn't know he was married. <laughs> I care not for Adam Sandler. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Queenie immediately loves Tay Diggs and she's trying to make her move on him and Adina realizes what's happening and she tries to like drag them away Um, Shrek ends up hitting on Adina the lesbian hits on the minor love it Um, none of this happens in a song and then eventually um, sorry you're reading the Wikipedia yeah I'm reading I have like my notes and then what I wrote oh but by now the room was moving by now, the room. What? What? No, that's the next song. <laughs> oh, sorry. I <laughs> did. I skip a song in my notes because I have the next song is "Poor Child." 
Oh, well, poor child is when they meet, when Queenie and... Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, basically, like, Shrek is starting shit with Tay Diggs and is trying to hit him. And then he's, like, trying to hit Queenie, his girlfriend. And he's just kind of trying to hit anybody who comes within six feet of him. And Which, you know, COVID. Same. Mm-hmm. So Tay Diggs sings this song called Poor Child to Queenie where she, where he's like, oh my God, your boyfriend sucks so bad. Let me save you. And she's like, okay. And I think that they go into a bathroom together. Um, and then Edina and Shrek realize it. Edina is like, hey, your girlfriend's about to fuck my boyfriend. So why don't you and I fuck? And Shrek right. is like, all right, but he's not super into it. And then we get this solo song from Madeline the Lesbian that's just her walking around trying to fuck women at this party and finding out that they're all straight and being upset, which reminded me of my experience on Tinder trying to find women. Um, yeah, I liked that song. It was very- It was a cool um, song. It was very good. Um it didn't really have a reason to exist, but I enjoyed it. She never this character never really comes back. We never hear from her again. We just get this random song about her. I'm trying to find the lyrics because they're really actually pretty funny. Um, what does she say? I like she, the part where she oh yeah, just a good natured old fashioned lesbian love story, the kind my mama used to tell. Um, she calls the, one of she calls one of the girls a very clever beaver. I planned a well-rendered, one-gendered <laughs> lesbian love story. And I'm like, this is the year 2000, off-Broadway. Everyone watching this is probably like, yeah! Mm-hmm. And Wait, where she- are they in this story? Like, where are they? I didn't really... I think New York. They're, they're supposed to be in New York. Okay. I, I assumed New York because that's where I am and I'm a very self-centered person. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything... I don't think anyone... It, any other place in the 20s was having this amount of fun so i'm just gonna say new york yeah like uh, yeah yeah it felt it felt like that i guess i i just didn't know if they like mentioned it specifically i don't think they did yeah so there's a woman who madeline is about to hit on and then it's a the, dude it's the minor a dude hugs her and she goes ah in the middle of the song she just screams which i appreciated and then Basically, then they have the party. Um, the this party, whole, the, the, this whole musical is literally just Burr's trying to kill people and then them distracting him. And I'm kind of like, okay, so... It's just over heard, and over again. I know, it's like a million songs in a row. It's like Burr's is trying to kill everybody. Adina's hitting on him. Then, like, they dance. And I'm like, I'm wondering why this version is more produced and appreciated than the other version because the other version seemed to have a little bit more going on i guess i don't know yeah i don't know at one point burrs is trying to kill tay Diggs, but then the entire party starts doing like the macarena so he gets distracted and he can't start violence anymore yeah which did exist in the 20s and yeah. i do need to yeah. say so I believe this Burr fellow, I think he is dressed as a clown this entire time. Is really? I think, I mean, I'm looking well, he, at pictures yeah. and he's. Oh, really? Yeah, it looks like he, they just have him dressed as a clown. That's disgusting. The whole time, yeah. So he's kind of like the original Ooh. Joker almost in a way. Ooh, yes, because he can't. She's like choosing other men over him. Yeah. He also, in this picture, he actually kind of looks like Joaquin a little bit. Interesting. Oh, Damn. I don't know. I really think there's no reason to describe the rest of the plot, Sam, because the rest of the plot is literally Burrs tries to attack Queenie. Queenie well, runs to the bathroom. Queenie. Yeah, they go to the ma- they do the Macarena, <laughs> and then Burrs tries to attack Queenie again. And then the incest brothers say it's time for a staged reading of our musical about the Bible. And Shrek is like, all right. And then they reenact like the story of Adam and Eve and then Sodom and Gomorrah and then one other thing. That's another example of a party that's similar to one we went to in college because people used to have art centered parties where they would perform yeah. art, people uh, used poems, to have, like, readings. Yeah, um, I went to one of those once at my college and it was one of the worst things ever, but 
the, there was one guy I remember very clearly, like very vividly, and I think about him a lot. And he was he read his poem out of a moleskin and he was dressed like I mean, he was like trying to do like Ernest Hemingway and it was like really like obvious and it was really bad. It was just so not good. So if I, if I was at a party with these two boys, I think it would probably sear into my memory most likely for the rest of my life, probably. Yeah. The Lover Brothers? If, yeah, especially if I found out they were fucking. It would probably be very similar to when I found out this guy was trying to do his little Ernest Hemingway impression. I don't know. <laughs> I just love the idea of stopping a domestic violence from occurring by taking out your screenplay, essentially. (laughs) Does anybody want to read my screenplay? (laughs) And then obviously the domestic abuser in the room is like, well. (laughs) Okay, so now soon we're getting to the actual banger moment of the 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 best song in the musical and adina's arguably adina's best performance her uh, finest performance of all entire career yes wow low-key the Um, reason we did this miniseries about her well and we've always just loved adina um you and i like we besides the fact that we both dated her um we you know we have always been fans i don't really know how or why we just, I guess it was Rent. Is that why we discovered we Probably. both liked her? But you showed me this clip, The the Life of the Party, which uh, everyone should watch. It's uh, Dina performing. It's the opening number of Act Two. It's shot on a video camera from 1999. So the yeah. quality of the video is exactly what you would expect it to be. But I mean, it's pretty good considering it's pretty zoomed in at least. Yeah. Um, and she just kills it. She knocks out of the park. You can tell that some of the notes she famously doesn't necessarily love to hit all the same notes. Um, she, she, she's not, see, here's the thing is, <laughs> I think that part of my appreciation for Adina Menzel is that I can't sing either. And if she can make it, so can I. Uh, I was going to inc- say, I don't know. Oh, sorry, Sam. I, I don't know anything about this, but I was going to ask, is she sort of speak singing? Like, is that sort of like what she does a little bit? Like, she's not like the best singer out there. She's more of a performer. Yeah, she is a performer. I think she is the best singer of all time. Um, But (laughs) only like usually on like recorded material. Hmm. Um, As they can edit it later. She because like she when she did the rounds with Let It Go and she was doing a bunch of televised performances and she never hit the final note even once she could literally never hit it and at the oscars it was so i don't know if you remember when she was adele dazim when she was misnamed by john John travolta Travolta. first of all that threw her off second of all it was a really weird rushed edit of the song and it was way too fast and she was behind and caught off guard the whole time it's kind of a train wreck to watch and at the end she just kind of screams the last note and it's horrible and it's amazing and then they won the oscar anyway so um Mm. And then on New Year's when she was outside in like in eight degree weather trying to hit that high E or whatever the fuck it is. And she just went, "Ah! (laughs) yeah, happy new year. It's like, no. And people in college would always talk shit about her, but I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. She also has asthma. Okay. She also has asthma, which you will see in the comments of any video of her live performance, because <laughs> there are very few videos of her giving live performance in which she is hitting the notes. Most of the time, she's not hitting the notes. Yeah. And then in the comments will be a bunch of Adina heads going, stop commenting rude things on this video. She has asthma. She's are we Adina asthma- heads? She's an, a- she's an asthmatic queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is. Well, you know, it's she's relatable in that way. Like, how many how often have i tried to sing let it go and i've not been able to hit the note every time so she's very relatable and the fact that guess what she's she doesn't need to hit the note she's already voiced the disney princess she has Mm -hmm. money for the rest of her life have you ever heard the story of her kid when he i I don't know where she told i don't know if she told this i don't know i've heard i heard this story though is this the tweet it might be her tweet yeah i don't know but she but her kid is like her kid was like telling people in their class like oh "Oh, my mom's in that like about Mm -hmm. frozen Mm -hmm. and so they the kid would be like oh my mom's in it my mom's in that and no one believed the kid yeah yeah but her her mom or i don't know if it's a daughter whatever the the mom is adina menzel is the end of the story it's funny it's like a cute story there is 
there's a tweet screenshot but Uh, there's a tweet screenshot of hers that keeps going around among like radical left Twitter of her after Joe Biden won. And she's like, my son just looked at me and said, no more kids in cages. And people will screenshot that and post it now and be Mm. like, any updates, Adina? Yeah. And it's like, Like she even knows what is going on. Of course, like (laughs) (laughs) registered member of the DSA, Adina Menzel, when will you answer for the mistake of your 11 year old son? Adina goes to the border and sings so loudly that the cages break open (laughs) and everyone runs free. I'm sure they would love the kids. The kids down there would love her uh, doing like a rendition of of "Let It Go" or something. I bet you that would. Let it go. Yeah, let it go. Yeah, I could sing it all right now. Those kids saw her when she was in Aida, and they thought that she was better than Sherry Renee Scott. (laughs) Those kids go, "Oh my God, do funny girl, do funny." (laughs) So, yeah, okay. So she say so the second act of this musical opens with her singing the life of the party, which is just which her is... doing coke and nothing else. And oh, and the... waving her finger over a, a flame, an open yes, flame. Yes. When and she on... starts in that video, she does have like a fireball in her hand, it's mm-hmm. and she's like fully like uh, man spreading as yeah. well. It's in her on... makeup. She looks in. She looks like Cruella. She so looks we're... crazy. Yeah, she looks nuts. I. Yeah, no, I just was saying that I feel like that's who you were trying to emulate, Sam, with your your makeup mm-hmm. sophomore year. Unknowingly, yeah. <laughs> I looked exactly like that for a really full did. year of my life. <laughs> and then I got cast in this like play from the 1700s called A Doll's House, where I had to play like a 70-year-old housekeeper. And the director had to take me aside and be like, so when we do the show, you can't be wearing that eyeliner. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Cannot you believe did that play my the role as Aubrey Plaza, though. I this yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, and then the director would get mad at me because I paraphrase lines. I would change lines from yes to yup. We did this weird thing where it was so hard to explain. We did like one. It was it's three acts and it was we like did, a cropped version of it or something. We did we did it over the course of three nights and we did one act per night. Yeah, it is an interesting question to ask of like, would you rather sit in a room and watch that play for three hours or would you rather see it spread out over three nights? Well, they do that with um, like the Harry Potter Broadway show. I, uh, it's, the Cursed Child. Yeah, it's two parts. And I, uh, we opted for the, the, the full day hmm. uh, version. Genuinely, like, rather than go to Times Square twice in one week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that play being six hours long. What Harry was she, yeah. What What were they thinking? Um, they were thinking uh, that trans people don't exist, <laughs> and that uh, they will not come see Broadway show. Yeah, that's at the set. That's on the second night. If you go to the, if you go for the two parter, you get that on the second day. That that little part of it. Yeah, yeah. It did not need to be that long. Honestly, the only re- justification for her- that being that long would it be if they had actually adapted the entire series into a two part play. Yeah, some would say that that play doesn't even need to exist at all. In fact, and that oh, it's. Yeah. You know, that it's it's strictly there just for a little bit of, you know, that. Oh, it's there for money. I, I mean, I famously <laughs> love that play. Um, <laughs> famously. But also, yeah, I mean, like, it didn't need to be that long. But, mm-hmm. like, am I complaining that I got to see it, the whole thing? No. You get your money's worth, at least, yeah, I guess. Exactly. So, and the magic, oh. The, the real life magic in that. Mm. What was it? What was it like on stage when the trolley lady turned into a dragon? Pretty insane, insane. Pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, she like they have this scene where like the the woman who sells candy on the train like chases them on top of the train and they're like on a roof and then like she like she's standing there and like her hands get really really long like seven feet long i think that's what happened and was everyone going oh in the audience yeah i like the part where and then there were like dementors like literally flying over the audience that was cool love that it's like a universal theme park ride in 
a Broadway place. Yeah, but it's six yeah. hours. And six hour long Universal theme park ride. God, exactly. I want to. I want to go to Harry Potter Land. I have sort of a funny story. It's not a funny story, but it's just fun, a funny experience of when. So I have three brothers, and none of us have ever read Harry Potter. Like we don't like Harry Potter. We're not into Harry Potter at all. But we did go to Harry Potter Land, so we were just like walking around, like, yeah, okay, like I guess this is cool <laughs> or whatever. Like, well, I guess we'll try the butter beer. Like we had no like butter beer is good. No, the butter beer is good, but we just had no like idea of like any like sort of reference of like any like we saw these like little screaming radishes and we were like, all right, that's great, cool, well, you know, mandrakes, mandrakes, uh, Dracos. We saw it all, yeah. But yeah, we just were not into. We just never got into it. I don't know. Um, I think that I am finally past leaving the Zoom. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, that I'm finally past my phase of being afraid of theme park rides. Mm. So I'd be very oh. excited to go to Harry Potter. Yeah, we should go ride, the ride the rides. Yeah. I've been yeah. there. I've been to Harry Potter World um, four times. Wow. Maybe like Harry 10. Potter Land specifically, mm-hmm. or Universal. Uh, Harry Potter World slash Land. Yeah. <laughs> well, you go. Oh, you have to well, go to Universal. In, it's, it's yeah, it's in, in there. Universal. Yeah, you're I know. going there by way of going to Universal. You well, know I mean? never went to Universal before it opened. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And yeah. I'm not going to go to Universal and not go to Harry Potter. Of course. Uh, I yeah I I just have like this vi- very vivid memory of of like when I was six years old I went to the library whenever Harry Potter came out for me like I went to the library and the librarian was like there's this new book that's coming out all the kids are loving it it's like about a wizard and he's like a magic boy and I just remember being like that's not for me and that was like a very that was like an inflection point in my life where like I chose the path of like I'm not into this thing and I'm missing out on the whole sort of experience. So. I yeah I like doing that too I did that with Star Wars and mm. uh, Marvel so yeah I liked Harry Potter when I was in first grade I think but then the my bullies started reading Harry Potter so I stopped liking it mm. and I would talk shit about it to my entire like third grade class I'd be like JK Rowling takes three pages to describe a chair <laughs> Be like fucking Which she burned. actually doesn't do. She doesn't do it at all. She has very <laughs> she barely describes moments. anything. <laughs> <laughs> She's like that chair was brown. Yeah. Yeah, because after all, she is writing for babies. <laughs> she is writing for children. Yeah. No, I know the books. Not. I know the books age with the audience. I know. I she know, is not. I know. So I know. many people die. And then I would go home after talking shit and like quietly read it in my room. And I'll be like, they will never know that I like Harry Potter. <laughs> so how did we get on that topic? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Adina Mazel should be in Harry Potter. She should be in Harry Potter. Um, Burrs <laughs> has this song where he, I'm very fascinated with the treatment of like domestic violence in both versions of this musical because uh-huh. It seems to be treated. Wait, Jake, where did you go? Sorry, I'm getting my charger. Oh, okay. Um, it seems to be treated with a little bit more gravitas here, but both wild parties seem to be dedicated to having a lot of bangers primarily. Like the story seems to primarily be a banger factory for Andrew Lippa and Michael Cusa. Banger as in like music bangers or bangers as in like beating people up? Like music bangers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to say, this is sort of partially why I don't, I'm not a huge musical theater fan is because when you do have these like kind of serious themes, it is like innately like sort of nullified by the 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 fact that you're everyone's singing and dancing and being like, wacky the whole like i'm trying to think of like a another musical that i've seen or like rent even is like a good example where like i feel like a lot like it just sort of like it's very heavy uh material but like just by nature of like what like the nature of the form is like very like happy and like we love everything you know well rent is campy yeah doesn't angel die like during the sex song Yeah. Yeah. So they're all singing about how they're fucking, and then uh, Angel dies during it. It's over. It's over. It's over. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and yeah, then it's just shit. Collins, like devastated going, but it's over. I will say, I will argue that I don't necessarily, I get what you're saying. And I think that that is a perception that some people have, but some people don't have mm-hmm. that perception that it, that it makes it lighter. Like for, like for me, for like, I don't know why that is. I feel like it's probably because a lot of standard musicals are much more cheesy and upbeat. Um, but I would say that we're kind of pivoting away from that a little yeah. as far as like contemporary musicals. But then uh, you still have that kitsch factor that it'll never really go away just based on the people who enjoy musicals. Yeah, it's I, like inherently kitschy, I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah. I also like not not to complain about the PC police or anything, but Mm -hmm. here we go. (laughs) I remember when Dear Evan Hansen came out, the entire musical theater community on Twitter, not the entire musical theater community. There were segment, there was this article that was released like the day after Dear Evan Hansen won a bunch of Tonys. That was like, Dear Evan Hansen is an evil musical and here's why. And it was getting shared all around. And the whole content of the article was the protagonist does bad things. Mm. I think that, which is like, if we never and I say we as if I'm like part of the musical theater community, but if we never get over this need to have protagonists just do the right thing 100% of the time, which I think has kind of crept into the discourse a little bit more through Tumblr and Twitter and stuff, then we're not going to be able to tackle these issues in a way that's honest and doesn't come across as like a PSA. That's so true. That's so true. It'll be, everything gets like disnified sort of it's like kind of goes to that and it, speaking of a musical though that takes place mostly in the freaking bathroom over here dear evan hansen michael's in the bathroom almost the whole time isn't he that's um god be more chill mm. <gasps> but it's very similar to dear evan hansen it's that oh i thought it was dear evan hansen yeah. that's more chill. i've seen be more chill <laughs> Be more Sam chill. showed me the opening number of that uh, one time, and I was horrified. It's so bad. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, like I the thing about musical theater though is like it's interesting because I I and I sort of like hesitate to even speak on it because I don't really like I, I'm I'm not a fan, so I don't really care of like like how what what goes on like they can do whatever they want but like i yeah i I sort of agree same where it is like you should like maybe try to like advance the art form a little bit by like maybe having like some interesting themes i thought that it was sort of the name of the song uh maybe i like it that way was sort of brutal Mm. that was a brutal fucking name for a song because that is like sort of a uh Trope, not a trope, but like a that's like what like victims of domestic assault like oftentimes think. I'm, I'm pretty sure I that kind know. of reminded me of this song. That's, um, I don't know if either of you, I would guess not, are familiar with the musical Oliver. Um, yeah. but so that song, um, oh, as long as he needs, as me. long as he needs me, yes, it's a very similar, it's thematically similar. damn, that's it's, brutal, dude. That, that yeah, sucks, it's dude. like the female lead, she <laughs> oh like her husband is the villain and he like beats her up literally all he does in the show is beat her up and then kill her at the end um and she sings it as long as he Jesus. needs me and it's like the act one closer it's just so like ugh. and then most of that musical is just children singing about stealing things uh, yeah it is a pretty it's it's one of those shows that's kind of dark when you think about it but it isn't presented in a very dark way because it is a bunch of like yeah. orphans uh who you know the yeah, I do think that this <laughs> Harry Potter. It's about a bunch of fucking orphans like being pickpockets because the orphanage won't give them enough food to survive. Food. I think. Glorious food. And sausage and mustard. Literally Sorry. abolish that accent. So <laughs> I do now we're in the mood. Sorry, I'm going to kill you. But this this version of the musical, I think, does a lot better with um handling the domestic violence aspect than the La Cusa version did because yeah. like every single version in the La Cusa song is like very up-tempo very jazzy and almost like very cheerful and then just randomly yeah. there'll be like a slap and then Tony Collette would be like never hit me like that again burrs and it's like oh what 
But I kind of think that it worked for me, at least with the story, because it kind of builds and builds. And it's kind of, it fits the theme of the partying and the wildness. And then if you have this final act of like the, the basically shootout that happens um, in the previous musical, I feel like that could potentially raise the stakes more if you didn't expect it this whole time. Whereas yeah. in this one, it's a little more ominous the whole way through, which is fine. I mean, it's definitely a different flavor, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. Is there a difference maybe in like the production of it too? Like, is like the second one, cause I was looking, I'm, I'm looking at it like, it seems like the Tony Collette one comes out in 2000. Whereas mm-hmm. this one came out in 1997, it looked like off Broadway. Could it's the like- second one be a little more commercial? Like trying to like maybe appeal to like a more like Oh yeah, because well this mainstream. one was this one was off Broadway and the other yeah. one was Broadway. Well, the other one yeah. was more, I would say, like Sondheim-ish, like where yeah. it's kind of wandering and they don't have many like actual like straight up musical theater, like what we would consider today to be like a, a number that was just like like life of the party. That is a solid, you know, you can sing that in any context. It's an audition mm-hmm. song. Yes. Whereas the other one was more like all over the place, which actually kind of maybe benefited the story. I actually think that this was kind of an early, what Sam, like what you and I kind of grew up with musical theater wise, that was contemporary, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. This was kind of an early draft of what that was, like on an audition song musical for young people. Mm -hmm. Dear Evan Hansen, what kind of is the, I guess, culmination of that genre, I would say, but like, this was early an early version of that. So for me, it doesn't feel, for me, that feels actually more dated because it reminds me of being 13, if that makes sense. Which one? The first one is more dated? This one, this one. Yeah, because, this one is more dated. Because, just because it's like, oh, this is like the blueprint for the musical theater audition song for teens. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other mm-hmm. one's more like classically, just it feels more like a musical. Mm-hmm. I know that was long-winded way of saying that. I don't know that I... That no, <laughs> I, I, I see what you mean because it's like in the other musical all those songs are there to be part of the story and mm-hmm. in this one it's all the songs kind of exist within themselves park and they're park. their own songs mm-hmm. which is why I feel like with Andrew Lippa his shows don't really get produced that much but yeah. there will be you know his, his songs are used a lot there'll be songbooks released of songs that he's written yeah, oh my god did you see that he's the one who wrote my new philosophy yes he like, he wrote some new songs for the you're a good man charlie brown that revival is the from, most like, sung audition song for from anyone anyone who did theater from like know, 1999 like, to like 2013. That was, you heard that song from- All the time. 50,000 different people. Cause everybody would be like, I'm not gonna do Defying Gravity cause everybody does Defying Gravity. I'm gonna do my new philosophy, which nobody does. And then everybody would be doing it. Cause that's my new philosophy. I had an acting class where somebody was assigned the monologue that comes before my new philosophy. Oh, that's about- The one about the sea like five sentences long. I was like, I have to get out Is of Is that here. the one where she's talking about her grade? I think so, yes. yeah. A C, I got a C. I was like, mm-hmm. why do you want to, also, why are you at, you're like an 18 year old, why are you doing this eight year old monologue? That is the worst mm-hmm. thing in the world to me is high school students playing like seven year olds. It's so, oh God, I just it's got so, so triggered. so fucking bleak. Um, there's also a, a fucking song in this musical, much like Rent. There's a song where everybody's a fucking. fucking. Song. Yeah. It's called Come With Me. <sighs> it's kind of, you can't really tell they're fucking when you're listening to it, though. Which, yeah, that's like true. That. In, in Rent, it's like the lyrics are like, we're fucking now. We're rubber, fucking. Rubber, hot, so heat, sweat. Do you have a condom? Like, those are the lyrics. And then Come With Me, <laughs> then- it's like, do you want to feel good? Do you want to dance? Do you want to have a great time? Come with me. And then it's like, oh, come with me. It's a double entendre. Oh, that's I pretty smart. That. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty savvy. And then, like, everybody fucks. Um, Queenie and Tay Diggs fuck. 
and everybody else fucks like in the living room. And then the next day, Bird wakes up. So, oh, sorry. I was just want to real quick say that this character named Jackie, who's in this, is truly just a dancer. Mm-hmm. In the other version, he uh, assaulted the minor. Yeah. So that was an interesting uh, he, thing to read. In the other version, he has this like heinous song where he's like (laughs) where he's like everybody always tells me i go too far but i just can't get enough and then he's like raping a child jesus in the bathroom Uh, (laughs) i would love it if michael was in the wild party and he's just in the bathroom the entire time and Queenie and Tay Diggs keep coming in and he's like, I'm having an anxiety attack over here. He's like, mom, come pick me up, please. Mm -hmm. So you seem to know more musicals than you're letting on. I don't, so I have seen a lot of musicals because my girlfriend likes musicals. Yeah, you just hated them. I, I don't even I don't even hate them. I, I'm not like someone who's like, oh, I hate musical theater. I just don't like musical theater. I'm like neutral about musical theater. I think it's and like listening to you guys talk about musical theater, I do like respect it in the sense that it is like like I, I do enjoy like sort of the not the culture necessarily, but like the because everyone who likes theater kids, but like uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, the cult, the, the not the culture, but like there i do have a respect for like people who like write and like produce and like put something up and like you know what i mean like that is like respectable and like hearing you guys talk about it is cool because there is like a whole like sort of background to it that like you just don't even know you know what i mean yeah i'm like proud to be a part of the culture but also Mm. at the same time i hate it as i am with many things I don't actually like fans of anything that I like. Yeah, I feel like me. if you're if you're a fan yeah. of something, uh, too big of a fan of something, it's like kind of get calm down a little bit. But I I don't I don't by any means hate musical theater at all. Genuinely, every Facebook group that starts out to be for fans of like a podcast will mm-hmm. devolve into them hating the podcast hosts with everything they have within <laughs> eight months maximum. How come we don't have a fan page? Because we don't have fans, Jay. <laughs> We do, we could, we um, should. We are so funny. I did spend like four dollars one time to market mm. an Instagram post about our podcast, and it doesn't work. And it, no, <laughs> yeah. Well, if it worked, everyone would freaking do it, right? I did yeah. that. For I my think first a lot podcast. of people do podcasts. Oh my god! Oh, you yeah. mean the sponsor thing? <laughs> the sponsor thing. If the sponsorship <laughs> thing worked, everyone would do it. Yeah. Funnily you know enough, I, mean? I think that we're the only three people who have podcasts who, yeah. right in mm-hmm. the city yeah if in only. the area please For sure. i wish yeah um, so yeah the show so... ends with the death of <laughs> shrek okay yeah so shrek R. walks into his bedroom he sees queenie and tay Diggs. they've clearly just fucked and he takes out a gun and is like Queenie, i'm either gonna kill myself i'm gonna kill tay Diggs, or i'm gonna kill you make a choice and she's like, oh, no. And then she she tries to, like, you know, she's really acting. She has a lot of tactics. I kind of liked that song. That was fun. I really liked it. And then eventually uh, Tay Diggs, like, tackles him. The gun goes off. Shrek dies. And then Queenie says, well, you have to dip because the police are about to come. Which I feel like... You don't like the police ending? I mean... You know, John, like John Mulaney has that joke about how if you committed a crime in the 1920s, all you had to do was be gone by the time the police, which he does leave. But Mm -hmm. um, I feel like this whole party has been witnessing this whole party hates Shrek. Right. Like they like he's tried to kill all of them at least once. I feel like they could have agreed among the party to keep it cool. Yeah, that would have been a whole express. But it also wouldn't have been thematic. And I think that it's probably supposed to be a sad ending. Are you saying you wish they pulled like a big little lies? I think that this place should have had a happy ending because it would have made me feel better. It also feels like the end that ending sort of feels like so like uh kind of like play pretend a little bit of like someone's dead like someone got shot like what's the next logical like thing is like oh the police must be coming you know what I mean like, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. it just feels like a little like contrived and like I don't know a little strange to me I basically I agree I don't like it. like 
doesn't 911 like not even exist yet in this universe? 911 wasn't introduced until like the 80s, I think. Really? How did people yeah. ca- how did people call the police? You they just wouldn't. They they would call you like text the, them. they would call the police station <laughs> or they would call uh like a private ambulance company. Owls, you send an owl to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at the end, Queenie sings a whole song about how did it come to this. Um, I like that for the end of a party, you know, it's kind of like, oh my God, you know, like how many parties have you been to where like the person you'd been in a relationship with was shot and then mm-hmm. the person you were hooking up with has to leave and you're like, oh, that was a crazy night. Maybe next <laughs> weekend it'll be better. Yeah. Do they introduce the gun at the beginning? I don't think so. Oh, like so Chekhov? Just, um, yeah, like a Chekhov gun. I I, I was just wondering, because like, it is a little weird for him to be like, now look at me, I have a gun. You know, I don't know. Yeah, he could have just pulled it out at literally any other time. Yeah, that's what, yeah. it's just interesting. Um, maybe they like show it in the visual version. Mm-hmm. Possibly. So here in the Tony Awards, we give three awards to each and everything, which... Uh, the first of which is best prop. So Simon, what was your best prop? Well, considering I didn't really see any of this, uh, I will actually go though with the pictures I was looking at uh, on the Google <laughs> images, which is, uh, I will say the clown nose yeah. or birds. Hell yeah. Shrek, we've been calling him, right? Shrek. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, my best prop was the very clever beaver from Madeline's lesbian song. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jake? Mine was the electric guitar that nice. came in and out of the score uh, and made me realize, oh, this is the '90s. It would be <laughs> it would be 20s. funny to it would be funny to see the guy in like the pit playing the electric guitar. I feel like it's yet. Well, I feel like he doesn't probably do that. I feel like he probably is very like stiff and like playing it as though he's playing like, a different instrument. Yeah. Oh, you use the word the pit. You love theater. You love musical theater. I hey, listen. You know there there are there are things that uh, I know about it. And uh... my best prop is the orchestra pit. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Sorry, I'm scrolling through. Um, the next award is best Adina moment. So, Jake, what was yours? For this inaugural Adina moment. I'm gonna go with something we did already briefly mention, but uh, the line. Give me a bottle of bourbon and half a chicken and I'll conquer the world. Oh, Jake. No, you took mine. That uh, was also mine. <laughs> I'll go with um I'll go with in the video that uh we were watching, the uh first bit of that where she like picks the candle up and it like in her hand. That was cool. Yes, yes, yes. She third degree burns every night. <laughs> yeah, she just has the yeah, she's like scarred. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have um, another one, Sam? No. Um, <laughs> her, mari- her, her marriage to Tay Diggs. <laughs> oh, how about the fact, this is a moment for me, the fact that my phone autocorrects Adina to icons. Yeah. Which is very fitting. That's wow. good. Uh, the next award is a custom award. It can be anything. Mine was a GLAD award, and it goes to Madeline the Lesbian. What about you, Jake? I almost gave last week's oil party a GLAD award. Um, (laughs) uh, Mine is also to Madeline the Lesbian. It's the One Teen Wonder Award for Best best Lesbian Musical Theater Song. True. What about Uh, you, Simon? I have uh, an award called the Most Extra Award, and it Mm -hmm. is for, of course, the song called Raise the Roof. Uh, And it is mainly for whoever's singing that doing the rolling r's and the like latin guitar thing that was like very much like out of left field and out of control for me so out of control i love it when she (laughs) says tower of babel in that oh yeah that was a little i'm like did you know how to say that (laughs) somebody didn't grow up with two pastors as parents uh it's not like you know it's not like it rhymed with anything else in the song i don't know why she had to pronounce it wrong but we'll never know i guess listen i'll never she's I... it like babes like a like a talking about babel like women though like a t- yeah but like like a tower of oh. babes maybe like that b-a-e 
BAE. Yeah, bull. that would no. that would be very interesting because that would be the first recorded usage of the word bay before it was even invented. Exactly, yeah. like uh, like it turns seventeen out... years before it arrived in the vernacular. One of you guys should tweet Tower of Babel, B A E B E L, and I think that that would probably do some nice. Uh, that yeah. would get some nice track. I'm gonna there. actually tweet it right now. Yeah, do it. Turns out bay is not A A V E. It was invented by Julia Murney in 1999. Damn. So, yeah, we all did our customer words. Okay, Simon, what do yes. you have to plug? Oh, uh, just, I guess, my podcast, which is Forgotten Films, Sam and, Sam and Jake. If you listen to this podcast, they were on mine. And it is a fake podcast about fake movies. It's a real podcast about fake movies. <laughs> and we just talk about, like, a fake movie every week. And we do some, like, movie news and stuff. And I, I think it's funny. I don't know. Maybe it's not. The movie we watched was very real. It yes, it was real. very real. That's the thing it's is I don't know how much I should pretend like the movies are actually <laughs> real or not. Like, I feel like if when I'm like doing stuff like this, I should just be like, yeah, they are fake movies. And then when you listen to the show, you're suspending your disbelief. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Much like musical theater when people start singing. Yes, I did not. I forgot to say the name of the podcast. It is called the Forgotten Films podcast. Type in Forgotten Films on Apple. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh. That's the end of our podcast. Our inaugural IDENA podcast. Hell yeah. Hail Paymon. Hail, Hail Paymon. Do you guys say that every week? 